God told us not to commit adultery. And Jesus said, hey, if you do it in your mind, if you think it in your mind, you've committed it already. Why? Because what, that what you think, you will eventually act out. And so, uh, and then the next is to keep your word, a very simple command, but boy, we could sure use it in this day and age that we live in. Uh, you know, when uh, my daddy uh, was growing up, when I was growing up and my dad and I went with him to the bank, uh, well, actually one time we went out and bought a tractor and we were at, out there and my dad you know, went to a telephone, picked up the telephone, called Mr. Brewer, who was the bank manager in, in Citizens Bank in Carville and said, Mr. Brewer, I need such and such amount of money and, and hung up the phone and my dad wrote out a check for that amount of money. That was it. That was no paper. There was a, he, just, he got the loan over the phone saying, Mr. Brewer, I need this amount of money. You know, when I went to get my first loan at that same bank, when, when I was going to get the Joe Best engagement ring, uh, you know, and I, and I got that loan for $27. The, uh, <laughs> no, uh, you know, when I went, I just went to Mr. Brewer, and I said, I need, to, I need the money to get an engagement ring. He looked at me, and he said, are you your daddy? And I said, no, what do you mean? He said, when your daddy, when, it, when he first came to me for his first loan, he said, we didn't sign any papers. We didn't do anything. He said, I gave it to him, and your daddy paid me, and he paid me back he in full, and he paid me back early. He said, do you have that same character? Are you your daddy? And I said, yes, sir, I think so. And when I took out the loan, I paid him back in full, and I paid him back early. You know, the, the truth is, there, there was a different world. Today, you got to sign 9,000 pieces of paper. You have no clue what you just signed. You gave away your first six children. You don't know what you signed because you you got to be able to, they cover every little base because we're not people of our word anymore. And so he said, keep your word. He said, go the second mile. The next one was go the second mile rather than retaliate in vengeance. He said, you know, we don't, we don't need to always have to get back at them. We don't need to get that vengeance. He said, you know, if they, if they slap you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. He said, let, let that happen to you. And then, and then number 10, uh, he said, love your enemies and pray for them. And boy, that was a hard one. But all these others came before to get us ready for that one. And, and we're not going to progress past any further in God's commands or any further in our spiritual growth until we get a grasp on this one. And he says, if you're really going to love them, uh, then you've got to be able to pray for them. You, really, you may say you love somebody. You know, we, we make those cliches, you know, I love them, I just don't like them. Uh, you know, uh, but you know, let me tell you, if you don't, if you don't change a little bit of your mentality, you won't pray for them. Uh, and, and God says we need to pray that, and he says we need to pray that God will be merciful to them. And that's a big step when, when you feel like somebody is your enemy or somebody has hurt you. And then he says, be, the next command was be you perfect for I'm perfect. And of course, I don't misunderstood. There's nobody in this world that's sinlessly perfect what he's talking about is being complete being mature god is complete jesus was complete he was totally complete and that's why he fulfilled all the law he was complete mature in in his life and so he says uh, basically the balanced life or scripturally perfect life uh, in a sense a mature uh, uh, life uh, will lead us to the next command and that's where we are now and I took a little bit of that foundational for those who hadn't been there but but the next command is do what you do in sincerity toward God and not a show to man he says do what you do in sincerity really mean what you're doing and and you find that Matthew chapter 6 verse 5 Matthew chapter 6 verse 5 if you would turn to that one 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, it says, When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. God said, you know, it's very important to God that we keep our focus on him. He he says that even in something so intimate as prayer that we can get sidetracked in in ourself. And he says to us that it's very important that we keep him first. It's so easy. Listen, it's so easy to slip into pride. Man has to fight that pride monster every day of his life. Every moment of his life, it rises up in us so easily. But there's not a greater demonstration of arrogance than to perform an act that is directly to God and for God, but is done in our flesh ourselves. And, and by that I mean prayer. Prayer is an act for God, to God, and, and yet we can, even in prayer, it can become about us. And he's saying, don't, you know, don't, don't get up and want to pray in front of body. Don't let that be your desire that you can get up there and be there. And, and listen, the prayer is just an example because it's the ultimate. That's the God. That's the thing that ought to be done for God and to God. And he's saying, don't do that. Now, if you shouldn't do that one, you probably shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be looking for attention in every other area too. And so he says, when our worship of God becomes worship of self, all of our growth toward God, uh, God's balance, and that's what perfection is, he says that, that growth toward that balance has suddenly slipped into a horrible imbalance. And God is saying that, that it's very important. If you're going to seek this perfect life, this balanced life, this mature life, he said it can't be about you. It's got to be about him. Our, our thoughts and our, our intents. We see how very clearly that God wants our worship in sincerity, not for an outward demonstration or performance. Now, just I'm going to be tender about this, but what must, most people call worship today is really performance and entertainment. Prayer, worship, those two things sort of synonymous in, in many ways, but uh, prayer, praise, worship is primary. Listen to this, and I hope you get this statement, if nothing else. I believe it's primarily a personal relationship with God that spills over into a public or corporate worship. When you have a sincere relationship with God, when you're praising God in the car before you ever get in here, that will spill over. But if we have to come in here to have a praise and worship situation so that we can say, okay, I gave God my praise for about 15 minutes. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not against it. I'm just saying that's not really what God is looking for. He's looking for it to be a personal, private thing that spills over into a public thing. You know, uh, even in, in our house, if, if, you know, of course, we've got more than just Joe Beth and I there now, but if, if Brooke is, is singing praise or if Mike is singing praise or if Grant <coughs> is singing praise, and you didn't get that, did you? Um, smile at me, Grant. Damn. But, you know, if my wife is, you know, that, that affects me. And so when they have a personal praise, that's going on, that, that will affect other people. And sometimes that private uh, 
worship will come together and begin to worship corporately. You can tell, listen to this again, you can tell if it, is, if it has its basis in a personal relationship, we can tell whether our praise of God is based in a personal relationship when our praise of God is criticized. You see, because how we react to the criticism, I see this all the time. I've had to back away from it, you know, uh, uh, over the years because of our travels and going here and there. We know a lot of people, a lot of places. So, you know, when I first did the Facebook thing, then I got 5,000 people, and then they kept telling me, I, you know, you couldn't add anybody else right now. I got like 500 people, you know, so I added another page because they said you could have another page like this that was unlimited. Then you could have another, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and so... But I, I've had to just about back away from it because there's so many people attacking people. Social media is full of attacks, one group toward another. But, I, but here's the way I look at it. I respect any who receive the attack and do not retaliate or defend. I, my respect level goes up for them when they're hit and they don't come back with, with that... Argh! Because that's just evidence that probably we're not really intensely praising God. Because Jesus opened not his mouth. I do not have to defend a real, genuine relationship. It is simply, it just simply is. Whether you believe in it or anybody else believes in it or not. I know whether I'm walking with God or not. And if you believe in it, that's wonderful. If you don't, that's okay too. You see, an angry, critical, vengeful spirit is actually evidence that the criticism might be on target. So, now that leads us, since I got everybody really depressed now, <laughs> that leads us into the next command. And it's directly connected to, to the previous command. And, and, and as I said when we first started this, if you, if you want a discipleship program, this is an incredible discipleship program. This is the way Jesus discipled his disciples. He taught them. And these, these, these are not just random commands. These commands fall in a divine order. And so he's actually letting them build up. So the next command is to lay up your treasures in heaven, not in earth. Lay up your treasure. Look at Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 19. This must be your day, Matthew. It's all about you today. Matthew chapter 6, 19. It says, Lay not up your, your, yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth, moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. Listen to this. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Listen, how's this, how, you say, how's this in a divine order? Well, when our worship is self-centered, the rest of our life will be self-centered. God is warning us. He's saying, look, you don't, don't come out here to be on display and don't come out here. And, and, and look, even if I could sing, it wouldn't be good for me to every week to start singing you a song. Okay? Because, uh, and it wouldn't be good if I did right now. But the fact is, is that that's, 
Because it's not all about that. That's one of the things that, that I, I'm telling you, I love uh, the, the, the young ladies and the people that have come to do specials here. And I've told them this before. I love Belle singing. I love to hear it. Not because she's got a wonderful voice, although if she does, I feel and I sense the little thing. I believe she prays before she comes up here. I believe, I, I just sense and feel like that she's pouring out her soul, that she actually cares about what she's singing. You see, when our worship is self-centered, the rest of our life will be self-centered. Our lives will be consumed with possessions, position, power, and prestige. And so the Lord says, no, no don't do that. Don't be all about acquiring and getting and how much more can I have. That's not what life is all about. Amen. The Lord makes it clear that we need to get our focus to be more on what God, listen please again, more on what God knows of us rather than what people think of us. You say, well, how does that go with treasures in heaven? Why does any man or woman want possessions, power, position, or wealth? Why do they want that? I mean, honestly, why do we want those things? If you're a Christian, if you're saved today, and you've, you, you have any desire to have a family and Christian life, a Christian knows that you can't take it with you. Now, anybody of reason ought to know it, but a lot of people live like they're going to, somehow going to take it with them. You're not. You're not going to live out of here with anything. A sensible parent knows that to give vast sums to our children normally hurts them rather than helps them. So many children are, are spoiled, and so many children are actually ruined. Uh, you know, I had somebody recently, and they said, you know, I'm, I'm trying so hard. You know, I, got, get this sum, I want this sum of money t- to my child. And I'm like, okay, that's be the, you know, I, I, the worst thing that they could have. 18, and they get this, this massive amount. First of all, they're going to burn through it. Secondly, after they burn through it, they're, they're going they're to be so spoiled to, to what they want, being able to have what they want. Now, uh, they're going to be pushed to, to, to find other ways to get it. Any wealthy man can tell you in the end of their life that the wealth and possessions were not what brought them joy and happiness if they ever obtained it. I've known some wealthy people. I, I mean, I've, I've sat, you know, beside men, you know, multi, multi-millionaires and, and, and talked to them. Now, none of them come to our church, obviously. <laughs> but I've been around some people that have a, a lot of wealth. But, but I'm telling you, they know that that wealth is not what brings them Joy is not what brings them happiness. I've said this so many times, said it to somebody recently again. We didn't have everything with six kids and, and, and working in the ministry. We didn't have everything everybody else had. And, and there was guys that, like I said, I rubbed shoulders with that they had a lot of money and they had a lot of things. We didn't have all of that. But today, I'm telling you, I got more than any millionaire, billionaire could ever dream. Amen. I got six daughters that love me and love the Lord. 24 grandchildren. And it's not just good to have grandchildren, but to know that they, they right now, you know, just that they, they have some sense. Why then do we desire it so much? Why do we desire this wealth and possessions rather than desiring God? 
It's simply our, you know, we, can, we may immediately think, you know, okay, it's simply our desire for comfort. But I don't think that's the key. Because the, you know, the truth is, I don't know about you, but I'd be very comfortable in a cabin in the woods by a lake. Amen? I'd be very comfortable with a wood-burning stove as long as somebody else was cutting the wood. <laughs> Supply me with the wood and we're cool. Now, I, I'd be very comfortable back out in the, in the little 1,300-square-foot home we grew up in out in the country. I'd be very happy out there. So the truth is, a lot of you would too. A lot of you. So why do we desire these things if it's not about comfort? Here's what it is. If we'll admit it or not, we want to be someone in the eyes of man. And what kind of car we drive is going to be how people look at us. What kind of house we live in is going to be how people perceive us. What kind of clothes we wear determines whether people think we are successful or not. We, we've got to dress for success. That's why I have to tell people over and over again, every place I go, hey, man, you know, you must be doing okay. You have this. I said, do you understand everything down to my socks and other things have been given to me? Everything that I have on right now was given to me. And just about any time you see me, it was given to me except my blue jeans. I get those myself. But we dress to impress, we, we drive to thrive. We have houses, not homes. We desire power to be superior, not to serve. And that's why the Lord commands us to lay up treasures in heaven. And he tells us to lay up our treasures in heaven, and then he finishes it off, and he tells us why. He says, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You know, I, I used to tell college kids, as I teach them, I'd say to them, I'd say, you know, make your decision to serve God before you have a lot of things that can mess you up. Make your decision to, to go to the mission field. You know, I... I I used to tell guys all the time, you know, they would say, what are you going to do? I was a college student, Bible college student. We had two and three and four kids, and, and uh, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment, and they would come to me, and they'd say, what, what do you think God wants you to do? And I'd say, man, I, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm just, I know he wanted me to come to college, so I'm just going to keep heading the direction. It's kind of like, you know, military, just it's the last command, you know, so this last command, so I'm going to just keep walking this way until he tells me what else you don't. Well, well, you know, you got to figure it out. I said, no, God knew my telephone number to send me here. He, he can call me again. And so, uh, uh, so I, I just kept walking that way, and, you know, we lived in this a little bit house, and, and they came to me, and, and one guy said to me one day, he said, what, what if God calls you to, to, back then, go to Africa? What if God calls you to go to some country like that? I, said, I looked at him, and I said, look, I, I think it'd be okay, because if wherever I could, God could call me to, I live in a one-bedroom attic apartment with four kids. 
anything that I would go to would be a step up. Okay, it's not like I was going to suffer, you know. Now, some years later, when we were in a, a 2,700-square-foot home in a little wooded subdivision, if God came and say, I want you to go to Africa, I just got everything the way I want it. We just, I mean, it took us all these years to get. And I had to back away and say, Lord, I got to still be ready. I got to still be willing. And the only way we'll do that is when we realize these things are going to vanish away. And if God gives them to us, that's wonderful. And if God gives you nice things, if God gives you a nice vehicle, and if God gives you nice clothes, and if God gives you a nice house, that's wonderful. They just shouldn't be your heart's desire. Shouldn't be what, God, what you're seeking. And what I found is that when you make him a priority, it's amazing how many things he will give to you. Now, I'm not telling you that he's going to do what he's done for us. He's been incredible for us but I always say it's not because of me not because it's always because that little woman that I'm married to the fact that that she has been so willing her whole life to have and to give away and to have and to give away and to have you know we had a, a nice home here when I left and and we we had to let it go and and go to to Indiana to to go to Bible college and 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 live there and live in a little one bedroom attic apartment she was willing to do that and I'd always say to her I need to get you a nicer place I need to get you a bigger place you can't you know we're just you know we got like one chair in here and some kitchen chairs and the rest of it's wall-to-wall babies and I said I gotta do something different she would always look at me and she said Rob we didn't come here for for a nice house we came here for you to go to school I love this place and she would say to me if it was any bigger it'd be too hard to clean now the fact is, she was willing to. I watched her when I, I, that wedding ring that I took out a loan for. Uh, I watched her when somebody had a need and they passed the offering plate, and we had nothing to give. I watched her take that ring off and lay it in the offering plate. Do you understand? I watched her do these things because her heart wasn't on the possessions; it was on what God could do with her life. It was on what God wanted from her, and now. I believe that's why he has blessed her immeasurably. So all the time, I mean, she prayed for the house that we live in right now. She prayed to, that God would allow her to have a place that she could take care of other people. We've had over 20 different families come and stay with us in, the, in, in two years that we've been there. It's been amazing what God's done. God provided for her because she prayed for it. I say, God gave you the house, but he gave me the note. God wants your heart for him now in this life. He knows if he, he, he has your heart now, that he can have you the way that he wants you. You say, what does that mean? When God has your heart, there's no possibility that the world has your heart. Because there's no in-between. It's not he sort of does and sort of doesn't. He either has your heart or the world has your heart. And Jesus said, lay up your treasures in heaven. 
And see, laying up is every day. You're, you're laying up a little bit more. You're storing up. You're putting up a little bit more. So it's a day-by-day choice that you say, this is not about me or what we can possess or what we can have. This is about God. This is about Him. In Kansas City, during the great Gypsy Smith revivals years ago, and if you've never heard of him, he was one of the most amazing evangelist of his time or maybe of any time an old preacher came into a room where the where gypsy smith was sitting after the service thousands were being blessed and hundreds saved the older minister placed his hands upon the evangelist's head and felt about it and he said i'm trying to find the secret of your success and the old gypsy smith said too high too high my friend you're too high gypsy smith said the secret for whatever success god had given me is not up there but down here and he placed the hand of the man on his heart gypsy smith was born in a tent to a gypsy father who never had a day's schooling from men yet he preached to thousands maybe even a million people, for 60 years. And he preached again and again, and the tears would run down his cheeks as the lives of people were changed. Gypsy Smith was used by God not because he possessed things or because he possessed an incredible mind. It's because he gave his heart to God. So that's this morning, our time's up, but is, is your heart on God? It's one of the commands that Jesus gives us. He said, lay up your treasures in heaven, not on earth. Why? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That's where your heart is. That's where your focus is. That's where your desires are. That's where your priorities are. That's what determines what is success in your life. I went to a funeral of a friend yesterday that I haven't seen since we were in high school. I wish I could have gotten to see him before he went on. Because literally since the day we walked out of high school, our graduation, I've never seen him since. But I was in that room and I saw some of the other people that I went to high school with and I'll be honest with you some some are very successful people as far as the world goes they got a lot of things there was a lot of wealth that was in that room but I look back at my life and the choices that I've made and I just thank God Thank God that I get to, it's July, to celebrate 40 years with a beautiful woman. I thank God that I get to stand before a church like this. I thank God that Somewhere along the way, people will say, how did this turn out for you? And I'd say, 
We were just dumb enough to believe God. A simple childlike faith. And God's been so good to us and to our family. Matthew 16, 26 says, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, your soul is not saved by giving your heart, God your heart. But if you're, so, but you, if you're saved, God should have your heart. You're not saved by giving God your heart. You're not saved by, by keeping your focus on the things of God, by, by good works. You're not saved by that. You're, but if you're saved, you ought to give God your heart. Your soul is not saved by refusing the world, but refusing God will inevitably mean you are seeking the world. No, we know that, that salvation comes through Jesus Christ and Him alone. We know that, that He could give us eternal life as a free gift right now here today. It's a, it's a gift of God, and he's, he's offering it to any of us. I was 20 years old when He gave it to me as a gift. And, and I've never lost it because I, you can't lose eternal life. If it was eternal uh, when I was 20, it's still eternal today. But since that time, daily, moment by moment, I've had a choice. Will my heart be on God? Or is it on the world? And I'm going to just tell you, you may say today, well, I, I want to have a good life, and, and I, wanna, I want things to turn out good, so I'm going to try to uh, be good and have my heart on, on biblical things and commands of Christ. But if you've not trusted Christ as your Savior, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? But if you trusted Christ as your Savior, I understand that we don't, None of us keep our focus like it should be every moment, every day. But when we realize it's all focus, that's when we need to refocus and get it back on God. You know, when you finally get that possession and that you desired so much, hey, you can tell whether your focus is wrong because let something happen to it. Let somebody scratch it. Let somebody damage it. Let the kids knock it off and break it. And let me tell you, how you respond will tell you where your focus is. But God says, where your treasure is. That's where your heart's going to be. He said, so lay your treasures up in heaven so your focus is always upward rather than here. And just like Bell sang with the song, when your focus is here, you can go through the storm with him. He'll calm you through the storm. Father, I pray that you bless, and Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of the word of God. Thank you for the life that's available to us. Not a perfect life in the sense that we would live it perfectly. Lord, not that we always make the right decisions and we always say the right things, but dear God, if we would just desire the right 
And Lord, when we fall, that we would get up, adjust man, fall of seven times, and riseth up again.